This springtime retreat, I'm going to speak of the concept of seeds, the seed of a plant, of a flower, of a tree, of an herb, of a grass, of a crop which feeds us, of something beautiful or wild or cultivated in one or more gardens or farms of the world or of history or of the future in the present. As we begin, I want to also address the word artist, as in my beloved friend Cynthia Kirkwood, as in a beloved late mentor, Sir Stephen Spender, and his wife Natasha, Lady Natasha Spender. Because the artist is created in the courage of God's heart, to be a seed for all that humanity is, just one human being, takes a breath and from the history of everything a human has ever been, the artist receives an in-breath as the next blessing of life and not only breathes but is inspired by God, that great one, the universe, whatever we want to name the principle I call God, they're inspired to bring forward something creative as a seed. And if we are graced adequately, we take the next breath and receive the drawing of their ink from their pen, their column, their bamboo, stylo carved in Asia, or from their brush, or their feather, plume, quill. And we know together something of the infinite from which all seeds arise, through which all seeds live and grow, and are sustained and then wither and fade into the forest floor, the desert floor, the ocean, just as do our lives, your life, my life, the farmer's life, the gardener's life, and the artist's life. So what is this seed? Well, in each of us as a human being, we spring from the loins of our father and mother, or sometimes in the current era, from a father or mother through the capacity scientifically of a laboratory where we spring forward naturally or naturally and systematically biologically through science. So there is a seed born of an egg and sperm so that the two cells, one of the father and one of the mother, come together to cause a seed of oneness through which the miracle whether we call it holy, or for a secular humanist, they just feel, well, life has somehow arisen from this universe. Whatever our intellectual capacity of wonder and awe, or reverence and receptivity of that reverence, or our vanity and disdain, well, it's just life, and our mental struggle to create that life ourselves and our self-reflection or narcissism, whatever our 
surrender or offering in prayer or our supple practice to philosophically allow grace and blessing in our lives and wisdom and love or our secular idea to move to the future with a kind of striving of brilliance and intelligence in that may we receive adequate mm, surrender offering of ourselves to be a vessel for something beyond the I that can create into the mystery that creates because even in each of us being created is something mysterious beyond our mother and father where the we implies something other than just mother or father or oneself as the child of that what is that mystery well that mystery is what the Pueblo and Zuni and Hopi tribes would call that great one Northern Plains tribes, the great mystery. Certain places in the world, and some tribes with which I've had the privilege to directly live or visit and communicate, they would let me know, well, there's this word, but it's not able to say what it is. Just as in Judaism, there really are the consonants, because the vowels are not really able to adequately be breathed into us and spoken. Both the consonants and vowels that would be the name are beyond one's ability to say it, yet the seed of you or I have come from that. So what is that, that source? So let us begin by invoking the blessing of that source, however we name God, Father, Mother, Great One, that, the names of all the major faith traditions, the names of all of the tribes of history, may the quality that is that principle we have received as ourselves and been blessed to embody in substance as human beings throughout all of our ancestors. May the seed of that great mystery fully bloom into fruit and new seed within you, within me, within all of humanity. Then our next breath follows that prayer and offering of aspiration, of hope, toward a future which is willing, resonant, resonant with love, developing a, an athletic muscle of that prayerful philosophical study of life. Then the seed, which one organically regards as biological, is fertile within us from heaven. The fertility is heavenly, divine, sanctified. Oh, the seed that is so mysterious that I can also regard as the 
first seed of the cells of my body from my father and mother, that first cell, which multiplied and then eventually was born and continues as myself, as yourself, as oneself. What is the nature of that seed? So I commence this with this principle because I'm watching us suffer greatly as a species. Because even in our spiritual practices, many of us study the present moment as if it were static. There is only the present moment. That's always been an interesting concept to me. So someone would try to come to the present. And I'm not trying to criticize the, the practices that draw us to the present or compel us from to not be caught in the past with suffering. Someone will say, well, you've gone over the loss of that enough. Let's go for a walk and be in the present moment. Come to the present moment. Or uh, the idea of just that the present moment is the only time. There, there are ways to come to the present as a, as a timing of practice. But the present moment is not static. Time is movement. Time is always occurring, has been, is, will be. It's the very center point of the great mystery. And instead of being athletically supple and studying the holiness that creates time, we tend to create the discrete sense of space. It's my desk. You know, that's my apartment. If I could just buy that house, if we just saved enough space, money, the material plane, the earth, if we just had enough space, then in the next, then in that moment, in that time, I think we'd be fine. And what many people fear or are concerned by is that if they acquire something, a, a title on a team in, in elementary school or, or middle school or high school or university or a job or a relationship or an accomplishment or a possession, if I only had that vehicle, then in that moment, I would have enough authority over the material plane that I, who I, who I somehow was conceived to be, born to be, who I am now in this body, the body would be all right for that moment. And it's not the seed who you are or I am. The seed is made of the very essence of heaven. And if we're philosophical and we're agnostic or if someone is an atheist, I go, then you're a seed of the universe. You know, surely even if you want to argue about the word of God or the, no, the names of God, I go, well, just take the universe of the earth then. Did you have breakfast today or some tea or maybe a juice? You, a seed, were consuming seeds from all around you on this day. And you may not think of life in that way, but the seed of your own physical body goes on every day because of the movement in space and time, the movement upon this earth of all kinds of plants and often animals, 
informed so that as they change, only the authority of that which created them remains constant. That's so fascinating philosophically and is really what one who's very spiritual is humble before. Oh, that great one. Oh, the only aspect which is holiness. Oh, I've been given this beautiful piece of fruit this morning that somehow living was plucked from a tree or a root to nourish this one. That my next breath is a continuation of the seed of that orange, that macadamia nut. And then we are both safe, you and I, beyond all warfare. And had you been with me this morning, I would have proffered to you, would you like part of the orange? One of the beautiful nuts here. So you and I, of God, of heaven on the earth, as two seeds of the divine, would have been nourished by the very body of the creator through two seeds, the macadamia nuts, two seeds, the fruits of, an, of orange trees, that we might realize the one who created all seeds, we might recognize that in one another. Good morning. Good morning. Not in this present moment, but from the past, in which that beautiful citrus tree grew for 50 years, from the past in which that macadamia tree grew for 70 years, as they fruit to nourish us, the seeds of their seeds, of their seeds, of their seeds, back through the ancestry of all such trees, they encourage the ancestry and you and me to be at peace and each take our next breath to fully become the fruit of the seeds we were conceived to be of heaven on earth. And when we take the next breath from that present moment toward heaven in your body, in my body, and we meet, we are living prayer. And in that living prayer, there is an inspiration toward life, toward the next moment and the next and the next, until the kin of you and the kin of me find a, a way, a, a, a way forward, a purpose from heaven back to heaven, creating a future of seeds, of a garden. How shall we cultivate the orange trees? How shall we prune them? How shall we fertilize them? Be fulfilled by picking the fruits and sharing them. Planting the seeds when one tree becomes very ancient, various kinds of trees live certain ages, as do various grasses and bushes and flowering plants. So we can find one kind of tree that lives 4,000 years and one that lives 80. 
one kind of flower that lives one, for one season, one, one long season of a year and they're gone. Other flowers where they could bloom for a hundred years. Every May, a person in Scotland turns to see a certain gorse low shrub come forward in the, in the heath. Ah, the gorse are beginning to bud. And then all of a sudden, across the moors are these beautiful, beautiful flowers in the green. Year after year after year. In the cycles of the seeds are the answers of the mystery of holiness. Oh, if I study the seeds of the world of plants, I myself become able to receive from the heavens a way to nourish the seeds in other beings. Then I am paying attention beyond violence to the nature of life and the place where my ancestors had enough nourishment from the earth to live, to fulfill something within their selves, to embody a life based upon heaven and in one of their children and one of their children so that I might be physically here on the earth today as we share these concepts and these practices. Then when I take the next breath, I am readily receiving from you and all other human beings the seeds of who you really are in God and who I really am in God into the next moment that a veritable orchard of humankind might thrive in the next year, the next decade, the next generation, that the nourishment is adequate for how we are all seeded by heaven to become that garden turned toward the sun and the moon and the stars and the sky, the atmosphere, the rainfall, the shade of a tree, the open desert. Let us turn in the heart to all of the places where one is identified with the losses. Well, you know, my aunt died. There wasn't enough here for this ancestor. So I've always studied achieving enough real estate, or I'm always getting fired from jobs, or something's never enough because of the one seed that withered, that could not take, the roots did not grow, the soil did not have the fertility adequate for the seed that was that relative, that part of ourselves, historically. The discernment of our loss in a family, in a region of a, of a nation or a continent, has tended to tell us to be careful of that which is too dry or too wet, too coastal, too centrally away from the coast, too mountainous, too low inland. We've learned from that which did not take root and thrive as a plant, as a human being. 
we've learned to be careful. However, it's necessary to also not be pouring so much upon the little seed, thinking it will make a tiny seed grow if we have enormous resources and take them from many other seeds and compete with those seeds. Only my children or my spouse or my sibling or I myself will have enough. That's not a garden. It's not good for the seed. It doesn't actually cause the seed to grow harmoniously as itself. So our human race right now is in a peculiar place where we don't understand the living domain of who we are as creatures of peace, collaboration, and caretaking or shepherding of the hearts and lives of one another. One is not to victimize oneself and sacrifice. Here, this seed will be sacrificed so you might thrive. Nor are we to be predatory. Here, let me sacrifice you so that I might thrive. We're not spiritual cannibals. Nor are we to be spiritually cannibalized by another. Rather, the seed as it's planted tends to open up its outer husk and begin to have life itself grow. This astonishing movement where a sprout can come up an inch, four inches, a foot. From where? How did this happen? The nourishment that pours into a seed from the earth, the minerals in the earth, the water nourishing it, is four times the size of anything that goes into it, or ten times, or a hundred times, or a million times. A sequoia tree is infinitely more vast than the small cone. I have one sitting right before me as we're speaking. It's very small. The tree is monumental. How did this happen? It's actually miraculous. Intellectually, it doesn't make sense. Where did the size of the tree come from? In the physical world. Well, it didn't. Part of it did. A very small part of it did. The rest of it came from the mystery of every moment of that tree's life. From the seed breathing carbon dioxide and all the inert gases in the atmosphere into itself. And then exhaling oxygen, which you or I might then inhale. And then as we breathe out, the sequoia tree breathes in as if we were twins or very close siblings, you, sequoia, and I. And then together in the mystery of the length of time that will be the sequoia tree's life and the length of time that will be your life or mine, the artistry of God, the artistry of the cosmos moves through that tree and you and me and is alive. And a story of heaven is embodied by the tree and you and me. And the artist picks up an implement 
and begins to tell us the story of heaven. And we are in wonder before the art. Look what she painted. Look at the ink she used, the watercolor, the texture on the paper of the brush, the paper itself coming from cotton plants or bamboo or tree bark. How did she know to do this? How did he know to receive Spender, the pen he used to write with a pen when he was a young man, a pen that he would dip in a like a fountain or a little inkwell. He would dip the pen and write. How did he know this word and not that one? And he particularly liked Spender to write where there was not necessarily the perfect word, but rather the word through whom he could meet, through which he could meet another human being. So they both went, yeah, you know, that, that word, that's right, that's what I meant. He liked to write a poem so that the listener, when they read the poem, would enter conversation with him. He really loved that because he lived in an intimacy with other poets who were his great friends. So a poem for him was the living embodiment of the creation. Oh, and then I was writing late at night, you know, I used this word. Because then when I read it to my schoolmate and they contemplated, oh, that word. We could have used this other word that is more careful or accurate, and Spender would be exactly here. We are together with my poem, the seed of life in you and in me. We are alive from the present moment when I wrote the poem to the present moment when I read the poem to my schoolmate. I was with life, so the poems in him were moving emotionally, very sentimental. How do they evoke such feeling? Well, because he was writing to call forward in us, do you know you are alive? Do I know how to say I am alive? Well, I don't, but I'll write a poem and then invite you to be with the poem with me. That is such love. You see, then, that is living love. And the artist's whether it's Cynthia or the late Spender, are the heroes of that love for God and God's love for everything and everyone through them for all of us. What a gift. What a gift. So in this time when we are arguing over the past, toward the future, if we would just abandon the argument, let's let the argument go. And then it's as if God says, now, where were we? And we take a breath. I and the seed I am and you and the seed you are. We're breathing. We're right with you, Lord. We're right with you, cosmos. You name God sought. You call him father. You call it God her. You don't want a pronoun. Okay, we're all praying with, from the same source of the seed that is you and the seed that is you and the seed that's you. Rosebush, hibiscus, lilac rhododendron, there's no argument. Different seeds from the same source. One planet, many human beings. As we breathe and go from violence and from the places where ancestors were lost or suffered, 
we sat down in the famous line of that the sword be turned to the plowshare. We set down the weapon and pick up the farmer's tool. Now, how do we garden together? Next breath, you are alive and I. Let's plant the orange tree over there. And perhaps a wise old person comes along and says, you know, it's a beautiful spot, but it's too cold with north direction there. The tree would do better over here. Why don't you walk and find a place in that other direction? And life through that old farmer has come to meet life in you and in me. And the place where that meets in the hearts of the three of us is where God dwells. Always has, always will. And that home will never fail to teach us what it is to be alive as a seed of God, a seed of infinity, a seed of eternity, a seed of everywhere and always. From that path we begin, and it will always show us the way home. Together and in the solitude of our listening, our tending that seed, in the ebb and flow of being within ourselves and coming out with one another to form a veritable bouquet in the garden of the Lord.